Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another day of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today I am joined by Brooks Childress. Apologies for the little bit of a delayed start as we got everything in working order so that you could hear us on our app and on our stream. And, of course, if you end up listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast, have to get that up and going as well again ryan and brooks with you here this afternoon appreciate brooks for holding down the fort yesterday for me as i was out between everyone that you usually hear on the show throughout the week all five of us are planning to have a day off at some point or at least part of a day off at some point this week so we will have a a thinner cast of characters but in the aggregate we will all uh, be on the show at some point and have the opportunity to talk to you throughout this week. Today on the program, a new Auburn commit to talk about. Another wide receiver joining Hugh Freeze's team for the 2023 season. We'll talk to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer at 4.30. Haven't caught up with him in about a month, so we'll talk to him about his observations from the portal for both football and basketball over this last four- or five-week period here, as well as some maybe these NBA draft guys. As uh, We'll update you on the process for Janai Broom uh, as he was able to get an invite to the scouting combine. Uh, we'll also talk about other things in the world of sports, as uh, just mentioned, the scouting combine, which means the draft lotteries tonight for the NBA, the NBA Western Conference, or just conference finals in general start tonight, and a lot of other fun things in the sports world. The guys kind of uh, beat the Braves into submission yesterday. They, they responded with a... Uh, demonstrative victory last night so always good to see them get back on track so a lot to hit on today on the tuesday edition of the show ryan and brooks with you brooks i hope you are doing well sir thank you for doing the show yesterday and uh, good to be talking sports with you sir yeah it's great to be back and great to be back on this side of the uh the table that we have in the studio where I, i'm not having to push all the buttons and everything but uh, it, it's going to be a fun show today. Can't wait to hear from all of our callers. Can't wait to uh, talk to Justin Ferguson coming up here in just a little bit. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, we it seems like every time the Braves go on a, on a little bit of a losing streak and then we get on the show and we talk about, oh, you know, got to pick it up. Let's go. You know, what, what are we doing? They respond. And last night they responded via the two-run home run. Hit a lot of those last night uh, against the, the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers team that we talked about yesterday even par with the Braves. They're also leading their division in the AL West, about the same record as the Braves, and that was impressive. And we, I, you know, I mentioned it yesterday. I know it's May, but these are the type of teams you're going to see is the, the types of teams like the Blue Jays and the, and the Rangers you're going to see in, when it comes to October baseball. And you didn't, re- you didn't respond up north of the border against the Blue Jays. You did respond last night. Hopefully the Braves can keep that, uh, that momentum flowing tonight. Uh, I, I think the, they called back up Jared Schuster today. He's going to get the start again tonight. Uh, for the Braves at a, at a AAA, and so yeah, can't wait to see that. Can't wait to see the NBA 
conference finals get started tonight and be a draft lottery. See where uh, who wins the wins the uh, the battle for Victor Wimbanyama, really. Um, and then, yeah, all a lot of a lot of sports. It, it, things are starting to wind down a little bit in the sports world as we hit the we start to hit around summer, but still a lot to talk about, and especially in the world of Auburn athletics, a lot to talk about this uh, this fine Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, I'm also going to bring up uh, since you guys got to do a best and worst of the weekend, I'm going to make sure I get my worst of the weekend Uh-oh. in after the fact, and it involves an Auburn program, uh, nothing of their own volition, but something that the NCAA. Uh, rewarded Auburn's hard work throughout SEC play with. I, I think that kind of gave it away. But, uh, of course, we'll take fo- phone calls on our Auburn Bank phone line throughout the day and, of course, have birthdays and sports and that nightly TV guide a little bit later. So let's get to it uh, before we take our first break and we get to our first phone call. I want to tell you about the news, of course, in the football transfer portal, another wide receiver joining the Auburn football program. I believe it's pronounced Jair Shorter, wide receiver out of North Texas, 6'2", 215, uh, has committed to Auburn. Uh, he has one year left of eligibility. This guy's been through it from the injury perspective. I'd have to go back and look to see exactly what all the injuries are. But, I mean, he has had a medical redshirt in the past. He's had years where he's only played a couple of games due to injuries. And so last year he was technically a senior, I guess, but he still should have one more year of eligibility. Uh, last year, 23 catches at North Texas, 628 yards, 11 touchdowns. That was good for 27.3 yards a reception. And so pretty clearly a guy that is a big play wide receiver. Um, another change of pace guy, another guy that's a little bit bigger. You'd always see 6'2 guys be necessarily the speechers. Sometimes they're in, in smaller form slot receivers than that. But uh, another Wide receiver commit. I believe you guys were talking yesterday about what's left to add for Auburn football now that the portal's closed, now that they're trying to get the last few finishing touches on the roster. And I believe one of the positions was was wide receiver that you guys mentioned. And, and here you go, 24 hours later, there's another wide receiver. Yeah, ask us and, and it shall be. We talked about yesterday that the portal kind of calmed down a little bit. You're just trying to add a few more players here, and 24 hours later, boom, here's another addition. He, you know, he, he's not a guy that's going to – it's most – like a lot of the guys that, that Hugh Freeze has brought in here in this transfer portal window, he's not a guy that's going to be, you know, the star. He's not going to – you know, he's not going to be the ne- – necessarily – he couldn't end up being this way, but it, it's not going to be, you know, this – the He's going to turn into a you know an all-American wide receiver, but he's a guy that adds depth to that wide receiver room, adds experience to that wide receiver room, and in a, in a in a position, one of the two positions that we talked about yesterday, that Auburn still needs to add depth and, and experience in it. Offensive line, wide receiver room, you you kind of took care of that with the with the in the quarterback situation, uh, and, and you added a veteran quarterback. The last week, week before, and then you you've been kind of adding some offensive linemen here and there. You've been grabbing some wide receivers. Still not, you know. I, I think that Hugh Freeze and them are still have some targets on the table, so I don't think they're completely done uh, just yet. But I, I think this is a good move for them. Get a guy in that that can that's proven that he can catch uh, uh, can catch passes. He can be a, you know a, a big play threat down the field, and and that's what you got to do, especially in this in the world of spread offenses in the SEC. Uh, there's a lot of good DBs in this this conference. Alabama's got good ones. Georgia's got good ones. LSU's got good ones. Those are the those are the big the big three you're competing against, especially uh, when you know you look at Auburn's schedule, and you need a guy that can stretch that field a little bit more. And, and uh, he this is a guy that that can do that. And and like I said, add add depth and experience to that wide receiver room that that is in in need of it. Yeah. So this is the second wide receiver now. 
uh, officially that Auburn has gotten in the last couple of weeks. That joins wide receiver Caleb Burton the third. Uh, that's the kid from Ohio State that was a four-star recruit, didn't play for the Buckeyes this year as a freshman, and then is joining the Auburn program. Of course, another wide receiver that was a transfer in the earlier portal back in the winter, uh, someone like Nick Mardner out of Cincinnati, was uh, was turning some heads in the spring. So several wide receiver gets for Auburn into a room that needed some work. They're still recruiting. They're still recruiting the kid uh, out of Colorado. They're still looking at one or two other guys. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if they get another guy they feel out there will be every down. I would I would think, again, just looking at Dreyer Shorter's numbers, unfortunately I don't remember him much from North Texas. Uh, just didn't watch a lot of North Texas unless they played UAB. But Shorter, again, had multiple years where he didn't play much due to, I believe, injury and redshirt. Uh, as a freshman in 2019, he had 24 catches, 473 yards, nine touchdowns. Then barely played, only played two games in 20 and 21 before again playing 13 games this past year. And again, read you the 27.3 yards of completion, 11 touchdowns. So in his career, 58 catches, 1,320 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 22.8 yards a catch. So I would very much think that Jair Shorter would be a guy that would not be in in every situation, but might run some deep patterns for Auburn, deep routes, and have the ability to have a couple of big plays. But again, I would not expect him to be the type of guy that would be out there all the time, but certainly someone very experienced in college football and had his very best year last year. Again, I mean, 23 catches and 11 touchdowns, pretty fun ratio. So even if he catches... 15 or 16 for the Tigers next year. If he can keep that ratio, I think people will uh, will enjoy that. We're going to take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Sunny for now, but always trying to dodge a afternoon shower or thunderstorm this time of year. Fortunately, I must say, uh, I was at the beach this weekend and just had the, the best, best luck with weather. A uh, few storms inland at times, but the beach could not relate. All sun did not get burned. So I did not become a lobster. That's good. Uh, a little bit of an upset, honestly. That's gonna, why you play him on the field. I was going to say, I uh, 
when when I went to the the cruise a couple weeks ago, I'm still fighting that sunburn yeah. a little bit. I, I um I got a little pink in one or two areas, and that's it. So that's not bad for me. I did pretty well. A little bit later, I might <laughs> I might go into a deep dive of how good the food was. I don't know. We'll we'll see how I, I endorse it. We'll see how the show progresses. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. To join us on the show today, we go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about some new transfers that are coming to Auburn this year for Hugh Freeze, and I'm very excited on these new transfers that are coming this year. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of new blood coming into the Auburn football program. Jair Shorter, the latest wide receiver out of North Texas. As I mentioned, 11 touchdowns last year, kind of a big play wide receiver. And the the receiver room for Auburn was mentioned as one of the weaker position groups. It's been very important for Auburn to go out and get some some new players there. They continue to do that, and I think they're still targeting a couple more. Yes, because um, I know we have a lot of different uh, wide receivers on our radar that we might pick up between now and the upcoming football season. So I'm just looking at some new uh, talent that's going to be coming in for 2023 for Hugh Freeze and uh, seeing what these uh, guys are actually going to bring to the table as well. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of new faces for Auburn people to observe just about every level of the team next year. And uh, that'll make it kind of hard to know what to expect, but uh, we are excited to see uh, what new contributors Auburn will have. Yes, as well, because I know with the uh, schedule that I've actually looked over uh, the weekend, I mean, the schedule uh, release looks good for this year, and I see some great uh, wins in our in our near future, in our near uh, future with you, Freeze, and uh, seeing some great games uh, in person, and some great games that are going to be played this year on on national television as well. Yeah, we certainly hope so. We we hope there are some wins. Uh, some fun games down the line for, for Auburn this upcoming year. Also, speaking of schedule release, your your Cowboys got their schedule in the NFL last Thursday, and I know we've only had one show since then. So uh, were you pleased with how the, the Cowboys schedule shook out? Um, yes, I was uh, very, very intrigued for my uh, Dallas Cowboys schedule and uh, seeing some great uh, rematches from uh, 20. 19 and 2018 and actually one of them actually stood out is at the beginning of our uh, preseason schedule against the New York Giants which that was a um, I think that was like a Christmas uh, schedule or a Thanksgiving schedule probably closer to the Thanksgiving holiday weekend uh, seeing that one so that's going to be a rematch from uh, 2018's uh, uh, Thanksgiving uh, special as well. Yeah, and I know that uh, that's the very first regular season game for Dallas this year is is at New York. They also have the Giants in the second week in November. So, yeah, approaching the, the Thanksgiving holiday. And I think the Cowboys do play on Thanksgiving as they often do. I think they got the Washington Commanders this Thanksgiving. Yeah, so we do actually play the Washington Commanders back-to-back. We play them in Washington in their um, home stadium, and then they play – in uh, Dallas, closer to like the uh, Christmas edition of that schedule as well. So I think those two on our schedule will be two wins back to back as well. And 
seeing uh, who's going to actually step up for um, Ezekiel Elliott, which he's already a free agent. So uh, I don't know where Ezekiel Elliott is actually going to be going um, in his near future from being a Cowboy to other teams that might be looking at him as well. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's still a free agent. I know that running backs age much quicker and uh, Ezekiel Elliott has definitely started to, to go on the decline despite being a little bit uh, younger. But again, that's that's the nature of the running back position. But I still believe he'll end up on a team and still have the opportunity to contribute. So it's still uh, be interesting to see where he lands up. If he lands a team where he can play a little bit more, that might be a little weaker. Or if he lands on a team where they're already in good position to compete for a Super Bowl and they're just looking for a little more depth. Yes, as well, because with that uh, Super Bowl uh, in the ballots, I think with Dak Prescott being healthy, uh, Michael Parsons being healthy, C.D. Uh, uh, Lamb is being healthy, and um, we are looking right now, we're looking for a new kicker. So with uh, Greg Zerliner being gone uh, during the off season, um, we're looking at a, at a number of uh, kickers that are going to be coming our way as well. Yeah, unfortunately, Dallas couldn't pick up uh, Anders Carlson there as he got drafted by Green Bay in the sixth round. That would have been a lot of fun. Yes, it would have been a lot of fun as well because I was hoping and praying to see Anderson Carlson come to the Cowboys and uh, actually, you know, getting to see what uh, great talents he actually has in his um, in his kicking ability as well. Yeah, we uh, we shall see how he does up in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, though. Yes, as well, because, I mean, he is going to actually be up there in uh, Green Bay where with um, the former, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is no longer there, so he'll still have the Aaron Rodgers um, pass, you know, lurking around that stadium as well because that is his, uh, stadium that he actually built, and he's gonna, you know, see some of the great uh, legendary players that are inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame as well. And there certainly are a lot of those. What else is on your mind today? Well, over the weekend, I was very excited to actually see my. Uh, Arlington Renegades over the weekend, and actually, we actually made it to the championship, and we beat the Washington uh, team of the XFL, so we are considered the 2023 XFL champions of the XFL football uh, franchise as well. James, did you see uh, former Auburn Tiger Sal Canella caught a touchdown pass for y'all in that game? Yes, I actually did see that. Actually, I was uh, listening to that game on my phone, and um, that was a really great uh, thing to, to actually get to uh, see the highlights from, uh, you know, one of the Auburn players I've known, and um, I wish him the best of luck, and uh, maybe Arlington might win another one, another national uh, championship for the XFL in 2024 as well. And, of course, Arlington's coach was former Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops. So that was a fun little college connection, too. Yes, as well, because with um, our head coach of the Arlington Renegades, Bob Stoops, I've 
seen a lot of great highlights from him in his uh, coaching uh, days in college with the Oklahoma Sooners, actually taking them to a Big 12 uh, national championship game. And I wish him all the best of luck in his near future and maybe uh, getting to see the Arlington Renegades actually go to another national championship as well. Yeah, we shall see, but a great start for Arlington Arlington as the XFL season came to an end. Yes, as well. And then tonight, um, I'm actually going to be seeing my Texas Rangers actually playing at home against the Atlanta Braves. And, um, you know, game one wasn't what I expected out of my Rangers, but I think game two and game three would actually be um, a huge, huge turnaround for my Rangers, and then I will see them actually win tonight and tomorrow as well. Well, you know, James, we're all big Braves fans here, so this is kind of like a sports call rivalry between uh, your Texas Rangers and our Atlanta Braves. Yes, as well, because I know um, when this when this actually came out on the schedule, I was thinking, you know, with me, you know, being a sports call, Auburn sports call fan of the show, I was thinking, what should I do here, you know, with my Texas Rangers and the, and the Atlanta Braves? What, who, what side should I roll on? So I just had to stay with the Texas Rangers until I moved over to Atlanta when they actually play, you know, somebody else, and then I just, you know, alternate back and forth between those two uh, franchise teams in Major League Baseball and actually seeing uh, another uh, Major League Baseball team that I'm affiliated with, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, affiliated with the Montgomery Biscuits, and uh, seeing uh, one of my uh, close friends that used to play for the Montgomery Biscuits, uh, Landon uh, Dow. He plays for the... Um, Tampa Bay Rays, so I'm just going to um, no, he plays for my Texas Rangers so I'm going to see what he's going to do and um, see what Nathan is actually going to do for my Texas Rangers and um, I might as well uh, send him a, 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 a early tweet before the game actually starts uh, later on this evening. Yeah, some, some, some encouragement on Twitter there. Yes, as well because um, I actually did get to see uh, Nathan, um, before he went up to the majors, um, my last time actually meeting him in person was back, um, was the last time that he played for the Montgomery Biscuits, and I actually wished him a, a very good luck in uh, seeing him actually coming to my uh, Texas Rangers, and I'm very, very excited that we actually had him on uh, my roster as well. Yes, I did, uh, did look it up. He is a Ranger, and uh, usually starts for Texas, so uh, that's very cool there. Yes, as well. And then I'm actually um, looking at the Tampa Bay Rays and seeing if they're going to actually bounce back and uh, seeing uh, what's going to happen between now and next couple of weeks in their schedule as well. And I'm actually going to be getting ready for the 2023 uh, fantasy football draft, which is going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm in a couple of days from now as well. Oh, wow, a couple of days. I would have thought it been a, a couple of months from now, maybe in July or August, but you're going to go ahead and have it in May. Yes, I'm actually uh, looking at some uh, rosters. Um, I'm looking at some new uh, talent that I'm going to be putting on my team and uh, seeing uh, who's going to actually uh, make some um, big fantasy points this coming up uh, fall when the uh, football season starts. Um, probably in August or in September. I'm not quite sure, but I'm looking at 
um, my draft boards right now, and I'm actually thinking about uh, for the first for the first round in June. I'm looking at Tank Bixby, so I'm actually going to pick him in the first or second round of my fantasy football draft as well. All right. Well, that will be very early, but uh, we'll see how Tank does. Uh, with his uh, first season in Jacksonville, and you'll certainly have to let us know who all, who all you get on your team. Uh, sir, we'll keep you all um, posted. And uh, tonight is a big night for uh, the L.A. Lakers and actually seeing the uh, L.A. Lakers taking game one in uh, Denver. So this one will be a really good game to see LeBron James and Anthony Davis actually make uh, some great changes uh, to the team and uh, maybe it will go into Game 7. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, just the first game coming up tonight, so we certainly hope it's a long, entertaining series, but you just never know, and we'll certainly be watching it. Do you have any final thoughts for us today? Um, my only final thought that I have for today is actually seeing my Dallas Stars actually win the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Yeah, they were able to advance to the to the conference finals last night when they beat Seattle 2-1, so they take on the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, so they do actually play that game tonight, and I would actually see them actually make it all the way uh, to Game 7 tonight as well. So I'm just going to keep my hopes and uh, roll down the dice on this one as well. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how long that series might go to. All right. Sounds good, and War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, James. Appreciate your phone call. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our next time out of the show. More sports call coming up after this. Timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Auburn softball lives on the airwaves of Tiger Communications. Hit out towards left. Garcia charging it. Diving catch, Lindsey Garcia! Tune in all season long as the Auburn Sports Network brings you all the action from every big strikeout to every big hit. Line into left field. Will this get over? It's out of here! Espen Godwin! Hear all the action as Mickey Dean and the Tigers look to take on a challenging schedule. Coverage begins 15 minutes before first pitch with the leadoff show. Through two swung on a miss. Chase the rise bowl and a big strikeout for Shelby Lowe. Don't miss one inning of action from Auburn softball across the stations of Tiger Communications. Brought to you locally by Auburn Bank, Lifesavers Mission Thrift Store, the Orthopedic Clinic, and Peak Insurance. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy Brooks Childress with you here this afternoon. 
Again, Justin Ferguson coming up at 4.30. Appreciate James from Montgomery for joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. A little bit later in the show, birthdays and sports. A little more talk on Auburn softball. Mentioned uh, the, the rough draw. No way around it that they got. Handed by the NCAA. Also talk some Auburn baseball, as Auburn baseball is white hot right now. I mean, they are scorching. Talk a little bit more about them. I dare you to find a hotter team in college baseball right now. I don't know if you can. They've been they've been amazing. They've been beating all the hot SEC teams. Yeah. Right? Not not maybe not last weekend. Ole Miss is not, but certainly the two weeks prior. So uh, that's but how Ole we know. Miss, I mean, disappointing this year, but they're the defending college World Series champions. And you just went to their yep. place and swept them. Yep. I mean, a lot of impressive play uh, for Butch Thompson's team here. Over the last couple weeks, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 9 Tiger Nine. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the program, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, good to hear your voice again. Welcome back uh, from your uh, brief vacation. Thank you, sir. Uh, where did you go, uh, if I feel mind disclosing? I went to Orange Beach. Stayed very Orange near. Beach. Yep, very near the Florida line. Great place. And for restaurants, if you go down there again, I highly recommend uh, Cobalt's Restaurant. Uh, so we looked at that. That was one of the places me and the parents considered. We did not end up going to Cobalt, but uh, that was definitely on the list. If we'd been down there a couple more days, we might have hit that up. Also, if you're down there, Cosmos. Have not been to Cosmos. I believe uh, Cam Barry went to Cosmos when he went down to Orange Beach the a couple weeks back, but uh, have not ever been to Cosmos. Well, they're owned by the same uh, people. Okay. But, uh, good, good food there. Um, do you want to share with us your best uh, eats on what restaurant you went to? Yeah. So, uh, well, <laughs> how, how long do you have? Um, <laughs> I ate a lot of good food. I would mention Wolf Bay Lodge. Uh, oh, that classic. Was, that was a good one. Uh, my favorite might have been Carver's Steakhouse, which I know is not seafood, but it's uh, it's over there kind of where Publix and where Rotolo's and, and Hurricane Grill and Wings is. Um, so those were a couple of the highlights. Um, did not. Uh, sometimes we go to Cottons, but did not go to Cottons this time. Sometimes we go to Sea and Suds, but they're actually closed on Sundays and Mondays, which was you know half the time we were down there. So so didn't have lunch there. But it's uh, good food too, though. But uh, yes, but uh, Carver's and uh, Wolf Bay, and uh, and we did go to Hurricane Grill and Wings, and uh, that was good too. And what Rotolos? We we had that <laughs> we had that condensed area a lot, but it was all good. Okay, we're good. I'm glad you had a good time. All right. Well, let's get to it, guys. I heard uh, Mr. Kevin Ives' comments on the podcast last night, and your internet is back to working? Everything's back up and running. Okay. So he didn't hold up a lot of, I guess, uh, realistic hope that we might actually uh, be a a host uh, for a lot of issues that I heard from him that they maybe want to spread it out and not have everything be in the SEC. Is that basically what he uh, was concluding? Uh, I mean, you know, Auburn, like you said, it got an outside chance. And, yeah, I think that could be one of the factors is that you've got so many, you know, good teams around the southeast and the, the, the southeast area. The ACC has, you know, got some some teams that could host. Um, uh, that it's, it's you know, the, Auburn, that may be a, a factor that Auburn does not get to be one of those national seeds as they want to put some, you know, a host to site out in the, out in the west, out in the southwest. But I, I think the biggest factor is – 
how Auburn started conference play. They, they've had some impressive wins as of late, but they dug themselves in a hole early in conference play that even though they're getting some really impressive wins here at the, the end of the season, they're, they're still not quite back out of that hole that they dug themselves in to start with. Now, see that hole, uh, Philip Marshall made some comments in his comment day that uh, a lot of, I guess, uh, talk has been made and on SC networks, I guess, about uh, the comeback by Tennessee, who exactly was like us, 5-10, and 10, but very little has been made uh, on SC networks about our comeback. Uh, so think of that what you will. Uh, so anyway, you know, I, I think uh, we make a heck of a comeback. And we talk about uh, comebacks. He didn't mention his name. I'm surprised. It's Mr. Casey Howell and what he has done. Three, I mean, he's had uh, doubles. Uh, right now it says here he's had uh, his three doubles he's had over the weekend. He's moved within one of the school record, 71. Very nice. So he's one away. Uh, and that person was hit by Todd uh, Faulkner. I didn't even know who Todd Faulkner is. I've heard the name before. So uh, that's quite, quite impressive. This is his uh, last uh, year with us. He's a senior, fifth-year senior t- uh, is that correct? Yeah, yes. he's he's done some good work on, uh, at the at the plate this year. But even more impressive is what he's apparently known for here, and I didn't know this that that uh, apparently he has been talked of as being a great leader on and off the field. I wasn't aware of that. Do you get? Do you guys uh, know about that? I mean, I think he was one of the, the leading voices in last year's uh, in last year's team that went to the College World Series. I think we've we've had you know we, we've had a couple conversations with um, with head coach Butch Thompson, and he's always mentioned Case and Howell was a guy that's been a leader. And, and you know, last year we, we talked to I think it was going right into either the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament. We talked to Andy Birch from Brad Law, and they they talked about talking to Case and Howell as a, bringing him up as a leader too. Yeah, uh, it says here. That uh, Carter Jackson called a call today. That someone on Monday, he didn't say who it was, told him that Casey Howe is the best leader he's ever been around. That's high praise. Mm. Yeah, that, that was. All right, and this uh, guy's was kind of disappointed here, but also Jason Caldwell. He said that uh, apparently Mr. Gonzalez is officially done for the season. He's going to go some uh, shoulder uh, scoping. Uh, it was done apparently uh, Tuesday, Tuesday morning, he said. And he said he's expected to rehab and try to begin his professional career after this year. So I take that means we will not see him in an Auburn uh, uniform again? Yeah, that does not sound like it. I mean, obviously, I think he was uh, – this was his third year, yeah. I believe, in the program. So he's draft eligible. Uh, I'm sure his draft stock's going to take a hit after after being out throughout the, the course of the year. But he'll I – mean, I mean, there's so many rounds to that thing. He'll, he'll still go somewhere and – he put in good work this summer in the in the uh, playing for Team USA in the under twenty one yeah. World Baseball Classic or, yeah. or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, he's he's still going to have uh, so, an opportunity, and uh, very unfortunate how his season worked out with Auburn. But uh, there's not a whole lot that could be done at that point. And uh, also, read this about Herbert uh, his update that he may not be um, appearing uh, even in the SEC tournament. And they may hold him out uh, just for the uh, NCAA regional plays. Were you guys aware of that? Yeah, I mean, he got pulled. I think it was what two innings on on over the weekend when yeah. during his start, and they wanted to they pulled him out of precautionary. And you know, if if you're looking at Auburn, you know Auburn right now, 
if you think that you've got a chance to make a run in the NCAA tournament and you you really like uh, Herbert Holtz being in that position, it's probably best not to push him, especially when you you've had the issues with you know a guy like Gonzalez, where you you try to hold him out a little bit here. You've got Missouri this weekend, which you know Auburn should be able to take two out of three from Missouri. They are a scrappy team, as Kevin Ives pointed out yesterday. But this Auburn team, the way they've been playing, good enough to beat uh, Missouri, and then you know they're they're good enough to win at least a game in the in the SEC tournament. And after that, you're you know you're kind of if for your if you're Auburn, you know you're you're kind of you know looking at that NCAA tournament field, and you're trying to set up for you know what your pitching's going to look like then. And so I, I don't disagree with holding him out, especially to, for precautionary reasons because of the the issues you've had with pitchers in the past. And you know. Uh, in the past, I've made over stuff. Well, you, we need to sweep them. But given what's happened with the selection committees uh, when it comes to Auburn and the softball team, I uh, I don't even know that uh, even sweeping Missouri is going to convince a special committee that Auburn can be a host team uh, no matter what, right? Right, and and also you know Auburn's just coming from a place so far down. I mean they were on the bubble of, of making the tournament just about three or four weeks ago. And so I know that they've been really as good as you can be since then, uh, but but three weeks also doesn't define who you are in the terms of a 50- or 60-game season. Now, it's going to bode well for Auburn how they've been playing for the tournament because they're playing their best baseball now, and that will be relevant for their chances to try and advance through the NCAA tournament. But you can't discount – the first 40 games that happened this year in which it looked like Auburn was just struggling to make the tournament. And going on to real quickly to the softball team, guys, uh, it sounds like Cal Fulton uh, may give us a, uh, quite of a struggle. Uh, they're a pretty good team. Is that correct? I, I honestly don't know too much about Cal State Fullerton. I anticipate, though, I mean, any tournament team that's not a I – would, I would – I don't want to say any four seed is not going to be uh, too difficult, but I will say that, that – especially you start to move up the seed line, any three seed, they've either earned their way in there at large or they've been a top conference champion. And, and so, you know, yeah, it's you're in the 2-3 game. I do think Auburn's the better team, but you only got one shot at it. I think Auburn was better than, than South Carolina, and South Carolina beat them in their one-game scenario in, in a heartbreaking fashion. So uh, I, I think Auburn's got a better than 50% chance of winning the game, but uh, they, they still need to play well. And speaking of Mr. Shorter, guys, uh, I love this quote from him. Um, I don't know if you read it, but baby laugh. Uh, the quote was this. He said, uh, coming in and helping the younger guys, I want everybody to win, and I want everybody to eat. I thought that was a kind of thing. I want everybody to eat. Yeah, everyone to so succeed. I'm, yeah. I'm glad he, he's that motivated. All right, and guys, uh, for just a trivia piece of news today, I'm reading this from the the book, which is a great read, uh, Teammates for Life by Jeff Miller. All right. And this year, guys, is the 130th anniversary of the first Iron Bowl game. It took place where? In Lakeview Park in Birmingham, Alabama. And it's done in front of about 5,000 fans. So, uh, in fact, the first uh, Iron Bowl, or back then it wasn't called Iron Bowl, but anyway, first game between Auburn and Alabama, and football was played in February of 1893. All right. So this is the 130th anniversary. And do you know who is credited with calling the Auburn-Alabama game the Iron Bowl? I do not. You did I. But the book talks about it, and apparently um, it was in 1964. Jordan was credited with first calling 
the football meet between Alabama and Auburn is the Iron Bowl. All right. He stated that Auburn would be playing the Tigers equivalent of a bowl game. So there you have it. If you didn't know it then, now you do. All right. We like it. All right, guys, finally, I have not seen it yet, so maybe you guys can tell me. You have an update on how we're, our standing is on the uh, uh, golf uh, championship uh, tournament. I was out there this morning, uh, Steve. I went out there and uh, caught up with the first group uh, uh, that went out this morning at uh, the eighth hole. Everybody is wrapped up for day two. Auburn was tied for third coming into today. And I'll tell you what, they made a charge today. Everybody's into the clubhouse. The Auburn for a team is first right now at one under par for the for the tournament chattanooga's in second at even par they were the clubhouse leaders yesterday and then you got colorado state at plus two at four vanderbilt who was the number one seed for this one coming in at number uh in number four right now at plus four and then ohio state is at five at plus eleven well, that's great news and tomorrow's the final round correct tomorrow's the final round they'll tee off uh, the first grouping will go out about 8 a.m i believe and you only have to be uh, was it the first four or first five? Top five to advance to the, the next round. Okay. Well, thanks for the update. So, guys, with that, y'all have a relaxing and safe afternoon. I look uh, forward to listening to you later on the podcast. And until tomorrow, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve, we appreciate your phone call as always. That is Retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line, and that will do it for our number one. Still ahead, got birthdays in sports. Got Justin Ferguson coming up at 430 to – Talk all things transfer portal for both the Auburn men's basketball team and the Auburn football team. A little bit later, we'll have some more thoughts on Auburn baseball and Auburn softball and a whole lot more with Brooks Childers. I'm Ryan LaVoy. One hour done. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Shoulders with you here this afternoon. Fun first hour with a couple phone calls on our Auburn Bank phone line. Easy for me to say. Uh, as well, we go through the week here in which we're just going to have uh, some some guys on shows that are not normally on that particular show, and uh, we're all just kind of hitting the, the summer wave here. I've got some trips and vacations and just a lot of things going on, and and uh, and so, uh, you know, no Tom today or tomorrow. He's uh, going to be down in Mobile. I was not here yesterday. Brooks might not be here Friday. 
Brent's not with us right now. Cam won't be here in the end of the week. He's, uh, or I guess the rest of the week, he's going to Denver. We're just all over the place. Uh, but we're going to continue to bring you Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, no matter who we have available throughout the week. Before we go any further today, however, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Jack Morris turned 68, former MLB pitcher, playing for the Detroit Tigers, Minnesota Twins, Toronto Blue Jays, and Cleveland Indians. Five-time All-Star, four-time World Series champion, 1991 World Series MVP. Two-time Major League Baseball wins leader, 1983 American League strikeout leader has his number 47 retired by the Tigers inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 2018 Jack Morris turns 68 today Thurman Thomas turns 57 former NFL running back selected 40th overall in the 1988 NFL draft by the Buffalo Bills out of Okie Doke State let's go pokes also playing for the Miami Dolphins 1991 NFL MVP, 1991 NFL Offensive Player of the Year, two-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, member of the 1990s All-Decade Team, member of the Buffalo Bills Wall of Fame, has jersey number 34, retired by the Bills at Oklahoma State. Thomas was 1985 Consensus All-American and 1987 first-team All-American as his number 34, retired by the Cowboys, member of the Pro and College Football Hall of Fame. Thurman Thomas turns 57 today. Rick Rochelle turns 74. Former MLB pitcher, playing for the Chicago Cubs, New York Yankees, Pittsburgh Pirates, and San Francisco Giants. Three-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove Award winner, member of the Chicago Cubs Hall of Fame, and San Francisco Giants Wall of Fame. Rick Rochelle turns 74 today. And Gardner Minshew turns 27, current backup quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, selected in the sixth round of the 2019 NFL Draft by the Jacksonville Jaguars out of Washington State. Go Cougs! Also playing for the Philadelphia Eagles at Washington State. Minshew was 2018 Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award winner, 2018 Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, and 2018 First Team All-Pac-12. Brooks enjoyed watching him in Pac-12 after dark. I did. Gardner Minshew turns 27 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, Jack Moore is 68. Thurman Thomas, 57. Rick Rochelle, 74. Gardner Minshew, 27 today. The uh, the unbeatable combination of Pac-12 after dark, Gardner Minshew's stash, and Mike Leach's offense, it was just a winning combination any Saturday night after 1030. Yeah, I would imagine that would be entertaining. I, I will tell, I will tell you this, and we've talked a little bit about uh, Pac-12 uh, over the course of, you know, the 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 years having sometimes not the best overall as a conference, and we've talked in the last couple of weeks specifically about them trying to parlay that into this weird TV contract where they might go digital only and how that would be, uh, or streaming only, I should say, and how that might be a, a problem. Honestly, I, I hope they will end up on a Royal Caribbean TV. Yeah, that would be something else. But I will say that it is much, much more consumable and, and much more enjoyable when 
they have the big offenses because the last thing you want to do if you're at 1030 and you just need like a I don't know palate cleanser maybe you had a rough day maybe all your teams lost maybe you lost a heartbreaker and you just want to relax for a couple more hours and just watch some football that doesn't mean a lot to you the last thing you want to do is if it was the Big Tens like Indiana Northwestern you know shacking out a 13 to 7 game <laughs> You, you get good scoring in the Pac-12 typically, and that makes you feel a little bit better about things. Now, maybe you're a defensive purist, yeah. and you watch the same linebacker miss three tackles in one drive, and maybe that sends you to the, to the, to the bedroom. That sends you to sleep and you, because you get angry. But for the most part, and we, we know this, this is why sports have trended that direction, is that it's built for the offenses to succeed in the Pac-12 is no exception. There's usually a lot of offensive football out there. I don't know if you've seen it. And you usually watch it. I don't know if you've – I do usually watch it. Also, underrated is Mountain West After Dark on CBS Sports Network. There's some good games there. Check it out. That'll Uh, be the new Pac-12 soon. Yeah. Just give it some time. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but a couple of – you've had a couple um, early season games, start times, and networks have started to get leaked out a little – not leaked out, but like reported out a little bit. Um, I know that September 3rd game, uh, LSU-Florida State, I saw today is going to be on ABC, so I think you can kind of diagnose that that could be where college game day is going to go week one. Yeah, is that, well, I mean, is, they'll probably both be in the top ten um, preseason. Uh, they, they announced that the the Ohio State-Michigan game, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, it's going to be a primetime game. They're not going to put really? it at 11. It, in, NBC, you know, NBC, this is their first year with the, the Big 12, Big 10 contract. They're taking it for uh, a primetime game on NBC, so they're they're sticking that thing at night. I needed to do a closer job, yeah. of uh, of looking at that. It's, wow! And then there's also um, NBC. I think it's either no CBS is you know they're starting their Big Ten contract. They're getting the whiteout game, Penn State and Iowa. That's going to be a night game. So there's going to be some CBS doubleheaders that have both an SEC two thirty game and mm. have a Big Ten game. Yeah, that that. I didn't think about the ramifications of those TV deals starting in different years. I, I think I've always thought about things as 2024 from the SEC's perspective because that's when it becomes real for the SEC, which yeah. we cover, obviously, bar none, far more than any other conference, and how it will perfectly align with Texas and Oklahoma now joining the league. A new TV rights deal will begin, and the playoff becoming 12 teams and obviously a new schedule format because the conference alignment will be different. So that's when there will be a new rotation and either maybe nine games. We should be hearing about that any week now because the quote-unquote spring meetings, which are really in the beginning of summer, they take place in a couple weeks. So And and Greg Sankey said that they would have a conclusion by the time those spring meetings started. So unless they just don't fulfill that statement, I mean, you're running low on time before the new model – is put out there, but I, I, how do you, I mean, let's, let's have a conversation about this. These are, these are opinion topics. I'm here. So Ohio state, Michigan on rivalry week, as you noted, been 11 AM for a while. Yeah. Was it good? Are we going to regret that it's going to move to prime time in that? Are you going to not have a, a game that will suffice at 11 a.m. now? Because the other 11 a.m. games, I know Florida, Florida State's been 11 a.m. sometimes, but they've also moved it off a of Saturday. Yeah, they put it on uh, Friday The last sometimes. couple of years. 
So you're you're getting like the Louisville Kentuckys of the world, not the city. I was going to say <laughs> um, the the one that I thought of immediately would go to put there would be if if Shane Bieber can keep South Carolina moving in an upper direction. That South Clemson, Carolina Clemson game could be a noon would be a noon kickoff. That would be a good one. I'm just saying I, I think with Rivalry Week because it's so dense and interesting matchups. I don't want to somehow find a way after we move this, this, and this game on Friday, move the Egg Bowl to Thursday, move this one to prime time, move that one to prime time. I don't want to somehow be stuck with a time slot of all the weeks. Yeah. Because that week should have enough to where, and that's why they moved some of it. They they even moved, you know, I care about it, no one else would, but North Carolina, North Carolina State to a Friday. Yeah. Trying to isolate that one a little bit more. I don't want to somehow be stuck with, man. Is Louisville, Kentucky, the best we got at eleven? Because I don't. I also with the new TV windows. What if they move Clemson, South Carolina to a later time? I'm just saying I don't want to get too thin here. Two games that I would not be shocked if they moved uh, to different places, and and it'd be probably, and they would both be under ESPN contracts going up against that that Michigan, Ohio State. Because I don't know. I, I'd like to figure out does. Like it does one you know you're going to have going forward here in the next couple of years. NBC's got a Big Ten deal, CBS has got a Big Ten deal. Does one of them get a get the the rights to Michigan Ohio State over the other? Like is it like right to refusal or is it? I, I would I would like to know if they get to like switch it back and forth like the Super Bowl. Well, you'll never refuse that game. I, I mean, you, right? But like so like NBC's got it this year apparently. So, like, if it would CBS never get to have it, or do they sl- flip it back? I wonder if they flip it back and forth, like you do the Super Bowl. I'm sure we could find if, if we research real quick, yeah. we could we could find it. I'm sure that it's it, it would it would either be baked into the language of you this year this network gets yeah. top pick, and then this network the next year it might not be as explicit mm. as you get the Ohio State Michigan game this year, and then you get it the next year. It would probably be. The top pick because that's what it is in the SEC where, yes, most years the Iron Bowl is the best game available of SEC versus SEC matchups on the final Saturday of the year. But uh, if you've had a year recently like you just did where Auburn was was not even going to go to a bowl game, well, then that no longer is the best SEC matchup. Now, it's still typically been on CBS because – it, it, it's such a huge rivalry, even a bad version yeah. of, a, of a great rivalry still deserves to be the, the big game. But I'm just saying that technically the, the CBS has not had yeah. to pick the Iron Bowl. It's just that it's turned out where, okay, A, most years it is a good game, and then B, even if it is a year where the interest has waned a little bit, it's still such a big rivalry. They picked it up anyway, but they wouldn't. It's not like it's baked into yeah. the SEC contract language of okay, you get the right to have the Iron Bowl, and if you don't take the Iron Bowl, then it goes here and blah blah blah. It's just more so a generalized. You get top pick, so maybe it would just be that top pick would alternate, and maybe. they and they wouldn't name the game, and then it would just be assumed that, but really every year of existence, it'd be Ohio State, Michigan. I wonder what would. would Back to what I was I was going with before I started on my you know own brain tangent there. Um, uh, I I wonder if you're going to see in the next few years if you know Ohio State and NBC keep you know flipping that back and forth and they're like you know it works at six, you know we want to keep it at, as a night game between Michigan and Ohio State. If if ESPN 
it, what I'd like to see what they do because they either the, – the two, the two ways I can see going be like, all right, that's the big game. You're going to get that time slot, so we're going to move all of our rival, other rivalries to the noon – to the 11 a.m. noon slot to the 3.30, 2.30 slot and kind of push them forward. Or they're going to say, no, we're going to go right up against you. And I could see the possibility of maybe moving the Iron Bowl to more of a primetime matchup like we saw a few years ago when ESPN – uh, when ESPN got a hold of it in 2015, 2014 uh, year. Right. Or with the new SEC deals, you, you see, you know, Florida, if Florida can come back up and Florida State's back on the rise, you maybe move that to primetime on Saturday night to go up against it. Or with the, new, with the new SEC, you flip and you move. And I know, you know, it, 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 this game is centered around a big event. But if you could, if ESPN could possibly wedge their way in and move that Oklahoma Texas game to the last weekend, I know they usually play it around the Texas State Fair and like during the yeah. middle of that's going on. Yeah. But if if you know ESPN for whatever reason, if they, they were wanted to leverage it and say like we want this the last weekend of the year and move it to right up against that at Michigan Ohio State game, I, that that's just me. You know, I'm, I don't have any inside information. I don't have there's I haven't seen anything about this anywhere. That's just me. You know, thinking about what ESPN has on their networks and what they could put up against if they wanted to go head-to-head with Michigan Ohio State. But typically, you know, when, when Fox has had it these last couple years, they haven't put a big prime game at that noon window to go up against it because they're like, no one's really going to go up against Michigan Ohio State. Right. I have more thoughts, but we need to get back to our Auburn Bank phone line before we have our next break. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free nine. Tiger 9 next up on the Auburn Bank phone line. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing fine, guys. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, this is a little bit late. I, I, I call it yesterday. Hey, hey, Jeff, you're cutting out there. You're, we're, we're, uh, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay, I'm sorry. All good. Um, uh, that's... Um, I tried to call in yesterday just because, uh, you know, while it was fresh and stuff. But when I saw the news, uh, I guess it was Sunday evening, that Auburn didn't make the, uh, get the Super Regional. And, of course, Alabama, like you say, number five seed in the SEC, but still five in the tournament or in the national tournament. That didn't make a whole lot of sense. So I could already hear Steve calling in asking us, what do you think, guys? What, can you explain that? Can you explain that? Can you explain that? And, of course, he did call in that and asked all those questions. But here's my thing. Okay. In his, in, when Steve called in yesterday, he said, well, that puts us in, we've got to go to Clemson. Puts us in a bad regional, which means if we can win there, we're going to have to go play Oklahoma. Right? Okay. To be the national champion, you're going to have to win the tournament, no matter who you play. So, who cares? Well, I do. I I do, but here's how I'd counter that: is the hope would be that you would be able to get to a further point until you had to play them, and and there's certain levels of 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 achieving a certain round that means something, and it means something to say you went to the College World Series, and so now Oklahoma is someone you would have to play before that. And since you're playing them before that, then you're not going to have the opportunity to to get to that point. And so 
I, I think what he's saying there is, yeah, of course Auburn would have to beat – anyone would have to beat Oklahoma. But the longer you avoid Oklahoma, the higher chance someone else could knock them out and then also the ability for you to get to a point that you can be incredibly proud of uh, that you then have a higher chance of being able to do that. But, see, that's what I don't, that's what I don't get and I don't like. And that's what I'm not going to like about this thing, 12-team playoff. Okay? There are not 12 teams in college football worth being number one. There won't be. Somebody's going to get lucky. Auburn went on a tear, okay, the last part of the basketball season, made it to the Final Four, could have won a national championship, but was not the best team in the country. Okay? So that's going to be possible, and that's what Auburn is hoping for now. If you take the easiest route to get to your final destination, you know, it, it, who cares? Who cares to make it? I mean, it's a participation trophy. Oh, we, we did great. We, we were one of the final 16 teams in the country. But, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I mean, I don't understand why hosting a Super Regional or even anything like that can be, you know, apparently it doesn't mean anything because they just, like you say, a committee's just going to pick whoever they want to. So it shouldn't matter who's the Super Regional because someone's going to have to Oklahoma. Am I right? They've only lost one game all year? That is correct, yeah. That is crazy. I mean, that's a lot of softball. So, I mean, it, it, I just – that's just one thing that's getting me about, you know, you just keep adding teams and adding teams and, and then – not necessarily. The best team doesn't always win in any sport, right? Anything can happen on any given day. So I guess that's what they're hoping for is if you keep playing lesser opponents and stuff like that, it, it, you know, the first thing anybody does is to see uh, when they get their bracket to see where their team is, who's the number one seed, right? Because they're going to have to go through that, which really didn't matter a whole lot this year because <laughs> all the number one but, right. but I was, but I, I mean, that, that, that was my point. I mean, and then even today, what's he saying? Oh, we may have trouble with Cal State Fullerton. Okay, you're going to, you're saying that now, but it's just yesterday you were saying it should have been one of the top 16 teams in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know what you're responding to there with, with Steve mentioned, you know, he just okay. he read an article there with, with, uh, you know, what Cal State Fullerton could do. But, you know, again, the bigger picture there, Jeff, is is where we kind of fundamentally disagree about how tournaments should work and that sort of thing. And uh, the, the bigger picture there is, you know, you're, you're talking about why have these big tournaments because they're going to, um, you know, they, they might reveal a champion that wasn't the best team in the country. But sometimes we get things wrong in the regular season we have wrong assumptions based on how teams played or who they played uh if they you know we 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 have a lot of perception about teams when they don't end up having to play each other in the end of year format that's why we have that as we allow for the possibility that we operate in false assumptions sometimes we got it right sometimes the number one team beats the brakes off of teams and in a case like Oklahoma's for softball, I mean, it's going to be very unlikely anyone anyone beats Oklahoma. But you still have to go and earn it in a format where we all understand that that's for the title. And 
I think that that's why we have so many different kinds of formats. That's why we've gotten to bigger formats in some of these other sports because we allow for the possibility that we get things wrong when they don't actually end up playing each other, that we assume we have false assumptions. And so there's going to be a lot of false assumptions, but in sports now where we really just glor- only glorify champions and we, we don't allow uh, for enough success underneath being a champion, then to restrict the ability to become champions, aren't we kind of forcing bad seasons and, and aren't we forcing negative feelings towards teams when we don't have tournaments that would allow them to play for a championship? So I I, 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 I understand that you want – and that's perfectly fair – you know, reason. I mean, that's very reasonable to say. I want the best team to be champion. I mean, that's at its base is what we're trying to do. But we've also got to allow for the possibility that because if you don't end up playing teams from other conferences, or you end up looking good in, in a weaker conference, but have no opportunity to go prove it against a bigger conferences, then we're still operating. Even if those assumptions are ninety eight percent right, we want to be a hundred percent sure, and we want those teams to play each other, and that's why we have the tournaments that we do. Okay, and then just one last thing. Okay, Oklahoma is surely the number one team in the country with one loss, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So, odds on favorite to win it. Auburn has already lost to Oklahoma. Sure. Okay. So, um, what, so, that, that may be, but I, Oklahoma's probably played other super regional, uh, uh, hosts too, so I can't say that that's the thing. But, so what? Well, now, what do you think? Okay, if uh, what's your superstar pitcher? P- Pinta, right? Yeah, Matty Pinta. Uh, yep. Okay, Alabama just lost their pitcher, didn't they? Montana Fouts. I'm unsure how long she's out for, but she did get hurt in the SEC tournament. Yes. But she is a big part. She is their Pinta, right? So yes. what do you think? I mean. So why don't we just play the tournament the first game of the year so that way everybody's got the player so it'll be fair. You know, now Alabama's, uh, you know. Because part of, being gr- part of being great, you you have – you operate from yes, you could say you operate from similar for the same circumstances if you start a year. But part about crowning a champion is who can get through adversity, who can get through a season, and it's not always about health. In this case, it would be, but you know, you again, if why why do anything? Why even you would be you would be. I'm just arguing. Right, you, I'm just talking. You again, you'd be getting rid of the need to do anything if you again, it'd be operating under the false assumptions that all right, if you're going to start a term at the beginning of the year, you're just going to pick who has the, 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 I guess it depends on what sport, but eight best rosters or 16 best rosters or 64 best rosters. Again, that's why you actually play them is so that you can have determinations for, for who qualifies for what, and then once they qualify for that, then they play each other. So that's. Again, I know you're playing devil's advocate too there, but yeah, but I'm just like I say, I just it it uh, it, it I don't even pay attention really. But then again, I'm not I'm not an avid Georgia fan the way Steve is an avid Auburn fan. You know what I'm saying? I, I assume Georgia's got a golf team, okay? <laughs> but you know, so uh, um, but. So I, I, I just like to pick on Steve, but that's one thing that always gets me. If you're worried about uh, the same with the interconference games in football and stuff, I, or, or out-of-conference games, 
I could care less. I've said it forever. I want to play the best team. I do not. I mean, I, I, I'm so glad that Georgia finally beat Alabama for a championship because, like I say, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. You know, sure. we could have lost Ohio State. I'm glad we be, can say we beat Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? I could care less about playing other games. And so uh, that's kind of my mentality on it. I'd, I'd rather see a good game against a good opponent versus winning a championship, you know, which is what's happened this year, you know, with Georgia's schedule since the loss to Oklahoma. It's going to be, you know, you're going to have somebody say, oh, well, they're already saying what a week out of conference team uh, schedule, you know. So uh, I, I don't know. That's, I would just like to see, you know, okay, so all they got to do is go to Clemson, win there, and then I guess the, the College World Series after that, well, uh, Jeff, we got to let you go here because we got a guest come up at four thirty. But uh, okay, yeah, we do Thank appreciate you your phone call, yes, sir. Uh, that is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Sorry, we, we ran out of time, but we are supposed to have Justin Ferguson here in just a matter of seconds. So we're going to take a really quick timeout. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Appreciate Jeff from Columbus for joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. But now we go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line, and we're pleased to welcome on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. I know it's been a little bit, uh, a little while, but uh, we hope you've had a good last month or so. How are things in your world? Yeah, doing well. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing quite well. Uh, we've been monitoring this uh, this portal activity, which is uh, getting us through the dog days of early summer. But uh, let's start with with Auburn football and everything that they've been doing here the last few weeks. Obviously, since we spoke, we've seen a, a numerous outgoing and incoming players. But, of course, we've got to start with the position that we've asked you about, I don't know, 90% of the time. Uh, if there was like a running counter, this would be the number one question that you've gotten asked by far, and that would be the quarterback position and what's become of it. Obviously, T.J. Finley leaves. He goes to Texas State. But more importantly, Peyton Thorne comes in from Michigan State. So what do you make of just the whole portal process for, for Auburn recruiting quarterbacks and, and what they're ultimately getting in Peyton Thorne? Yeah, Peyton Thorne is a guy that you know makes a lot of sense for what Auburn wanted in the portal. They didn't settle. They didn't just go get a guy to get a guy um, after, you know, had a couple of bigger names earlier uh, in the winter window that they went after and weren't able to to get. And you know, I think Peyton Thorne makes a lot of sense for what Auburn wants because um, he's a, he's been a quarterback that has won uh, one as a as a first time starter uh, in 2021. Had a great year at Michigan State, uh, led them to a um, you know New Year's Six Bowl. And then last season, they just they, they wasn't quite the same. His numbers weren't terrible, but like just Michigan State as a whole just wasn't where they wanted to be. And a big reason for that is because they just didn't have a really good running game or an offensive line. 
Um, you know, Kenneth Walker was gone, and and his numbers suffered. But when when Michigan State ran the ball really well, as I wrote a couple weeks ago at the Observer, when Michigan State ran the ball really well, um, you know, he had phenomenal numbers. I mean, nearly ten yards in the attempt. He's a great deep ball passer, great play action guy. And when you look at an Auburn team that's got Jarquez Hunter and this new look offensive line uh, coming in, uh, you you would think that uh, the the strength of this team. Uh, in 2023 is going to be that running game. And so Peyton Thorne uh, should be able to play off of that well um, if he is indeed the starter. Now he's going to have to come in and, you know, win a starting job over uh, the guys that are already here. Uh, but, you know, uh, the, the track record from Hugh Freeze and, and just kind of what he brings to the table uh, suggested that he can be the guy that, uh, you know, stabilizes the position for Auburn. Justin, when you look on that, the continue to look on that side of the off or on that side of the ball, the offense. The Tigers got another wide receiver transfer in today out of North Texas. That's this is the third one in the, uh, that you've seen Hugh Freeze bring in recently. What are your thoughts on that wide receiver room after getting some of these transfers in? Yeah, Jair Shorter is a really interesting piece because I mean he's he's big, uh, bigger I should say. He's you know six six two, and last season at North Texas he didn't have a, a ton of catches, but when he did. Uh, they were huge plays uh, over, you know, it was like 26, 27 yards a catch. Uh, I think nearly half of his catches last season were touchdowns, which is, uh, I mean, just some of that big play, uh, you know, potential that Auburn really needs in their, in their offense. Um, so he's a really good pickup. Uh, he's going to be a one-year rental because uh, he is, he's going to be a six-year senior this year. So uh, that's an issue. Nick Martiner, another guy who could give you some big play potential and, and, uh, you know, has good size. He's a one-year guy. Uh, but the interesting one, obviously, was Caleb Burton. Um, you know, Caleb Burton is a, was an elite uh, recruit coming out of high school. Uh, had a knee injury in, in his junior year that kind of slowed some momentum, but Ohio State got him. And, and, you know, there's no better stamp of approval, I think, in the sport right now than if you're an Ohio State wide receiver um, just because of the track record they've got at that position. And uh, didn't play last season. He's going to be a guy that uh, – I think multiple years uh, at Auburn, and, and it should be really, really good uh, with what he can bring to the table. Um, very, very uh, shifty, um, smooth uh, type of player uh, that I think uh, is a good pass, you know, a really good pass catcher, but a really good route runner. I think it's first and foremost what he brings to the table. Should be a guy that gives Auburn some help in the slide and the outside right away, and should do it for the next couple of seasons. So, uh, it's a wide receiver room that had Javarius Johnson back and Coy Moore back, and they really like Camden Brown. Uh, but um, you needed more, and so you've got a mix of guys with experience trying to take a step up in, in you know, competition. And then in a guy in Caleb Burton, it is pure swing for the, for the fences type of upside with him. And then, Justin, I'm going to ask you about just about the same question on another position on that offensive side. The offensive line has gotten a couple of recruits here in the last month, uh, especially through the transfer portal. What's your thoughts on uh, that going into summer? Well, I mean, they, they, they've got, well, you know, a, a big name coming in in, in Jade Muskrat because, um, you know, they wanted that fourth offensive lineman that they didn't get uh, in the transfer portal in that early window. So they get they get him. He, you know, he started across from um, he started across from Dylan Wade uh, at Tulsa last year at, at right tackle. I think he's got potential to kick inside a guard um, because you would think that Auburn's kind of feel, feels pretty secure about uh, Gunner Britton being their starting, uh, you know, right tackle this season. So, um, you know, really interesting uh, pickup for the for them because um, at the very least he's going to give you some depth, and at the most he could be a, a, uh, another starter for you this year. So, 
really good pickup there. Um, could add, you know, a, a, a name or two maybe uh, moving forward. Their offensive line looks kind of set, though. Um, you know, they've got a there's a big defensive. I mean, I'm sorry, there's a big JUCO player on the offensive line that they could add for the future. Uh, but this offensive line, you know, it's four guys they've gotten here this this uh, off season, and um, they needed them. They absolutely needed them, uh, and the, they're going to have to step up to life in the SEC. But I mean, Auburn absolutely needed these guys. Let's now look towards basketball and and how the portal has shaped up for the basketball team. Also, though, outside of the portal, Auburn dropped a couple commitments uh, of guys that were pretty highly rated coming in the in the coming years in Peyton Marshall and, and LeBaron Fylon. I guess let's start there. Uh, how surprising were those two uh, elements? And, and then just how big is Auburn reaching? I, I know that, that some of that was maybe sort of intentional as they look for big-time players, but uh, just how do you see this all shaping out for Auburn with their with their management of their high school recruiting first and foremost? Yeah, not really surprising. As soon as as soon as uh, West Flanagan left for the old Miss job, I mean he was the primary recruiter for those two guys, and, and we can sit here and act like you know recruiting isn't about who recruits you, but it absolutely is. Um, recruiting's about relationships, and and so with with Flanagan going old Miss, it you know uh, that their commitments were. You know, it was going to be tough for Auburn to hold on to him just because it would be something they'd have to, you know, kind of re-recruit basically. So, not surprising there. They do have uh, Todd Pettiford, who has had a really good AAU uh, circuit here these last uh, few weeks, um, and you know, Ira Bowman's been his uh, lead recruiter. So that's that's a good sign for them. They'd be able to hang on, and they got you know they can continue to go get some big men in this class. Um, you know, there's a lot of targets that that are out there that still haven't committed. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be concerned if i was auburn about their their 2024 recruiting class um because you know it might not be as good as we thought it could have been at one point um but you know with pettiford and and with the with the guys they still have on on the board there's a lot of potential still here and so with the kind of unknowns with with janai broom going through the nba drop uh draft process i guess jay williams still is too but broom has obviously advanced himself to the nba combine uh, you've got uh, Lawrence out of Vanderbilt that Auburn's looking at. I mean, where do we stand with uh, – is it two more scholarships that Auburn's going to have available? Is that, is that the, the total right now? Well, technically they have four more scholarships available, but they're not going to be able to use all of them, uh, probably not, or they're not going to use all of them. Bruce Pearl talking to us yesterday saying, you know what, he doesn't believe in you know just having guys for the sake of having guys. You're only going to play about ten or eleven at most in your rotation. So why, you know, why why get a twelfth and thirteenth man and thinking that he might play? Um, so th- those spots will most likely go to walk-ons. Uh, and you know, uh, Leor Berman announced recently that he was coming back. So that's probably uh, one where you can kind of keep an eye on that one for Auburn as a as a potential um, you know guy on the on the scholarship side of things. So. Uh, but yeah, you know, you've got nine if Janai and, and Jalen and uh, Dylan Carwell all come back like they're you know, projected. We'll see with Janai at the combine this week. Um, it's just really, really tough to go from you know G League night camp to uh, a guy who, or G League elite camp, I should say, to to a draftable player. But we'll, we'll see. He, he's really had a really good uh, last last weekend. Um, but yeah, they have they have say two they can play with one or two um, that you think they might use. Uh, in, in the in the transfer portal, Tyron Lawrence um, was through went through the uh, same G League camp as well. Didn't make it to the combine. Um, he's going to be a pretty highly uh, favorite target. Auburn got a visit in for him, and you know everything. So he he looks like a guy they can. They just need a wing. They they really need a wing um, more than anything. Tyron Lawrence could play that kind of three spot, maybe you know two three kind of player 
for him, leading scorer at Vandy last year, uh, really, really good player, decent rebounder as well, which I think is a big thing. And then Julian Phillips, you know, is, is currently going through the NBA draft process in, um, you know, in, in the combine. If he stays, if he has a good week of the combine, stays in the draft, is a first rounder, there you go. Just dust off your hands and say, well, there goes that one. If he pulls out of the draft, I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn gets in the mix for him because, um, you know, he was a the guy they recruited out of high school pretty hard. And, you know, even though there would have to be talk about a waiver and deadlines and all that, um, I feel like Auburn uh, would push after him. Bruce Pearl said yesterday they got a few guys. Uh, they're recruiting several, um, you know, transfers, wings right now to kind of replace what they lost in Allen Flanagan. So I would look at Tyron Lawrence. Uh, I would keep an eye on Julian Phillips, um, you know, and see what he does here this week and kind of what his, you know, process is moving forward. And then, um, you know, it, then it comes down to Janai Broom. If Janai stays in the draft, Auburn's going to be in the market for a center. If not, you can probably take one or two more guys and be all right. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. And, Justin, I guess my last question about basketball is the style that Auburn wants to play this year. We've seen them have – uh, some really good length uh, the, the last few years, obviously, with Alan Flanagan playing. Uh, you, you got the unicorn with Jabari Smith for a while. So I guess my question is, do they really want uh, another small forward that's in that 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", size range? Or, or are they more ready to go to a three-guard lineup in their heart of hearts? I guess my, just what, what would their preference be if they could only pick one way to go? You know, I think they're I think they're looking at uh, the potential of being more three guard, and, and you know, the last couple of seasons they've kind of been like that. Alan Flanagan six six, you know, Devin Cambridge six six. Um, you know, it's been a little bit of a it's been a little bit since they've had like a really really big uh, wing. So I think of Mustafa Heron uh, and just kind of like that kind of style of, of of a three man. That strikes me as more kind of what Tyron Lawrence would be. Um, if they could get a guy like Julian Phillips, obviously Julian Phillips is you know six eight, great rebounder, great defender. Um, I got good potential. He didn't shoot the, the three particularly well last year at Tennessee, but they also didn't take very many, many of them either. So, you know, I think if you're, I think if you're Auburn, um, you know, th- there is potential depending on who you get at your wing and depending on how the rest of the lineup shakes out. I think Chaney Johnson being that, you know, stretchy three, four type of player, um, you know, it can give you some flexibility as well. And then also you got to look at, like, their, their backcourt as well. I mean, Auburn's backcourt this season is going to be made up with dudes who can play multiple spots. Uh, Aiden Holloway is uh, has really come on the last couple of years of his high school career as a point guard, but he's a knockdown shooter. He can play off ball. He can operate off ball. We have Craig Donaldson can do the exact same thing after what he did last year as a, as a true freshman. I think so for Auburn, you know, the big the big deal for them will be I think it could be a little bit small ball, smaller ball. I think you're also you can see them play a little bit faster uh and maybe shoot a lot more freely than they did last season just because of the guys they have on their team. But I would also um, you know, just keep in mind if you that uh you, you could still have Janai Broom back and then Janai Broom, he will continue to try to be a stretchier player. Uh, but he's also a guy that obviously has got a good inside game, and you want to you want know, to give him in post up situations. So I do think there is potential for this team to be a little bit more um, small ball, kind of free flowing, uh, depending on who they get. Uh, but uh, you know, th- this this has the versatility to be a pretty balanced lineup. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call. Before we let you go, Justin, what all do you have planned here over the 
coming weeks and months with the Observer as we go into the off season. I know there's still a lot of portal stuff and some creativity uh, that you always do these film rooms and all sorts of stuff. So, so what's ahead here in the in the, the next few weeks? Yeah, you can uh, check out AuburnObserver.com. We've got a ton of stuff on the site uh, right now. So uh, you know, a lot from Bruce Pearl yesterday uh, in uh, at Lake Martin. Um, so if you got a lot of questions about the about the roster, we addressed a lot of that here yesterday. Uh, tomorrow, I got a film room coming up on um, Caleb Burton. I've had a few few of those here, um, you know, in the off season with some of the transfers, Jalen McLeod, the edge rusher, and obviously Peyton Thorne. So um, some really some, some really in depth stuff on Auburn football and men's basketball. We'll have podcasts at least two of those a week as well. So sign up at six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year to sign up at auburnobserver.com, and we email everything straight to your inbox as soon as it comes out. Justin Ferguson joining us today on Sports Call. Justin, as always, time's greatly appreciated. Hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk again down the line. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. We are out of time. Uh, with our number two stay tuned in our number three we'll have a lot more for you again we'll uh, talk a little bit more about our conversation we're talking tv uh, times for some of those big early season college football games and late in the case of ohio state michigan we'll also update you on any more auburn news and notes as well as some baseball and softballs all still ahead here on this tuesday edition of sports call stay tuned more after this hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go whether you're leaving work cruising around town or listening on demand we've still got some fun left for you to be part of the show give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoy and Brooks Childress with you here this afternoon. Stay dry out there. I've seen the clouds change greatly since we last spoke to you, and uh, it's not looking great. Uh, there will be rain on the way, so we uh, hope you stay dry out there. We want to remind you, if you missed anything, you can go back and check out the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Of course, if you just missed it, Justin Ferguson was on at 4.30 with us, kind of recapping and detailing how the transfer portal has gone for both football and basketball with Auburn and what there is left to do. 
and uh, a little bit left to do, especially uh, for uh, for basketball, just because of the fact we don't know the final decisions of a couple players, and we even with those guys coming back, there's still a couple scholarships left. Two out of 12 or 13 is still a pretty high percentage if you think about it in that terms, in those terms with, with basketball. And yes, football could add a couple more like they did today when they added uh, Jair Shorter, the, the wide receiver out of North Texas. But uh, Auburn got their quarterback. That was the most important thing to do this portal cycle. They've also gotten another offensive lineman a few weeks back. And so they've already kind of checked the important boxes, just cosmetic at this point for what else Auburn football can add. We were having a discussion kind of earlier in the second hour about some TV times. Uh, we were discussing uh, the news of the first few kickoff times being announced, not necessarily in proxi- or proximity to the beginning of the year, some of those games not in week one, just kind of the marquee matchups where networks know where they want to send them and, and what time they want to send them. It brings back up this topic for me when I think about what's coming up uh, in 2024 when the new SEC rights kick in will all be on ESPN Family Networks. In fact, the SEC, go figure, we were, t- we were talking about this and they tweeted about it right after this. I don't know if you saw this, Brooks, where they tweeted coming in 2024, the SEC on ABC. I did see that. Uh, which is going to be different from what we're all used to now, but uh, we, we knew that was coming. And so that, that leads me to my thoughts on when will the primetime game be? And I kind of assume, okay, we're putting two and two together. It's going to be at ABC. I assume it's going to be at seven. Now, the interesting thing is, let's let's consider how this has worked for the last several years. Okay, obviously, two thirty has been the primetime slot. Unlike other conferences, if you're in the SEC, you want to play at two thirty. That means you're on CBS. That means that you are the game of the week. To be fair, yes, I know you're out there saying, no, I didn't want to be on CBS. I didn't want to have a four-hour game. I agree. <laughs> that that part of it is very much true. Yep. Didn't Some people did not want to hear Gary or Vern back when Vern was doing it. So get all of that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying from the standpoint of you are the game of the day in your conference, you wanted to be on CBS. So now that will turn to, I assume, ABC. I mean, they're not going to put the second-rate SEC games on ABC, I wouldn't think. So you consider the primetime slot. You consider that it was at 2.30. You consider the second and third best games of the day, which were usually night games. Sometimes you'd have a random decent game at 11 a.m. But they would do sometimes something interesting if the time zones worked out, where they would have a game at like 5 or 5.15 and then have a game at 8.30. You know, this yeah. some wonky early late doubleheaders try and jam another time slot on at the in the evening hours so how will they do this will they directly compete as you were kind of alluding to with games like ohio state and michigan now that that's apparently going to be a night game this year um do they maintain their 230 slot what should they do now the sec is still top dog if you go look at the ratings uh alabama auburn georgia uh, LSU, they all draw 
as well as any teams in the country. I mean, yes, the Ohio State-Michigan game would be up there, but but Ohio's let me put it this way. Ohio State playing the eighth-best Big Ten team is not the same as Alabama or Georgia playing the eighth-best SEC team. Those ratings consistently are higher than the Big Ten's version of that. And so the SEC can it should probably be looked at as what will the other teams, other conferences do in regards to how the SEC chooses to operate, how ESPN chooses to operate with where they they slot these games. But I'm looking at it from the other standpoint, just because some of these other games are announced and because it's going to change so dramatically, I guess with all these conferences, but with the, with ESPN and with the SEC, considering that they're one of the conferences that did not have a typical primetime time. 7 o'clock field. The game of the week was never at 7 o'clock in the SEC. It typically was not with the Big Ten. Sometimes it was, depending on which week ESPN got first pick, which week the uh, Fox got the first pick, which they got first pick a lot more uh, of recent years. But, you know, Ohio State, Penn State sometimes was on ABC at 7 o'clock and that sort of thing. And so it feels like the SEC has been, of all the conferences, the most set in stone to not have – their best game be at 7 o'clock. So I ask you, Brooks, regardless of anyone else, yeah, uh, unless there, unless it comes into your reasoning of why you would want it at a different time, do you want to see that change? Do you want 7 o'clock or 6.30, whatever, but 7-ish dinner, dinner hour be the new primetime slot for the SEC? Or even on ABC, do you want to keep it at 2.30? And 11 a.m. is not an option because how dare you? We're not doing that. We're not waking up for that. <laughs> no one big, wants to do not that. Not doing so big Saturday. Two th- no, 2.30 or dinner hour are your options. Um, if, if you're telling me which one I would rather have, I'd rather have the, the night game. I'd rather have the, the 6.30, 7 o'clock uh, kickoff on on ABC because that just, you know, you, you wait all day for it. You get, you know, you get two different time slots of games go through, you know, depending on which channel you're watching, sometimes three, you know, you have a three o'clock kickoff rather than two 30, but you get, you know, all afternoon is set up for those games. And then you get the big game at night. You're, you wait, you, you have everybody else kind of, you know, get their games out of the way and then move out of the way for the premier matchup. Now, what do I think could happen for ESPN is they've still got the rights to the ACC as well. They do. And so those are going to be the big two uh, conferences. I don't think there's going to be that many games. The ACC has a bigger game on the weekend than the SEC does because, you know, you you look at it. But I think there's going to be some situations where you could have a Clemson-Florida State. Hey, these two are top ten teams in the country. The SEC's biggest game is Alabama, you know, their top five versus – Playing like number 24. like Ole Miss 24 or Arkansas at 24. And then I think ESPN goes back to their – we're going to put the better game on at night, ESP or uh, SEC. We're going to put you at two thirty because that that time slot does work. Everybody knows that's the SEC time slot, big game. Every you know CBS two thirty, that's the big game. So you kind of go back to that where that you'd put them back at two thirty and put the bigger game at night. But I think if you're asking me what preference, I think I like the night game because you, you get a chance to build up to it. You don't you know it. It's it feels weird when I, I turn on the TV on a Saturday afternoon and and Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit are calling a two thirty game. Right, you're like, eh, sure, like you know they they do the the games you know every almost every single year. ABC if, if ABC has the Red River River Showdown, it is at an eleven a.m. kick, and you've got Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit doing an eleven a.m. game. You're like, all right, 
fine, but that kind of feels weird where you're waiting, you know, you, you get to the night game on ABC and then it's, and I'm no, no slight against, you know, like Sean McDonough because Sean McDonough is phenomenal. But when you get to that Saturday night game, it's like there's, there's something missing when your A team is not on it. I see, I see what you're saying there. That, and that's another thing, by the way. I think everyone's going to be excited to have Fowler, Herb Street versus, um, I would just say Gary Danielson. I like Brad Nessler. I, I maybe some people, you know, he's getting older now, but I, Brad's been one of the, the the better announcers in college sports for a long time. Um, so I think the Fowler Herb Street dynamic is is maybe under under not utilized, but undervalued mm-hmm. in terms of just no one's really talking about. It, but hey, you're not going to have uh, Gary anymore. You're not going to have the CBS crew, which has caused many an SEC fan bases to be irritated. Uh, depending on which rendition of the booth it is. But I think that in a vacuum, the obvious answer here is 7 o'clock. I'm not going to come out here and argue that um, 2.30 is a bigger atmosphere or bigger environment. I think the SEC, because it holds so much weight, because you got used to that CBS theme music, because you just understood, if you're an SEC fan, that you understood what that time slot meant for so long it became more important and became bigger than it inherently is. But 7 o'clock is still – I mean, every sport, when you have a preference, other than, other than golf, when you have to play, when it's daylight, every sport understands that they're trying to put their primetime matchups in the evening. That's why it's called primetime. You're not at work. <laughs> you, you have less things going on in general at 6 and 7 o'clock than you do – during the the day and even on weekends it's still the same dynamic for saturday programming sunday can be a little different we've seen that since sunday programming operate a little different at times but still there's a prime time nfl game every sunday night they go out of their way to have it and so i i think that i think ultimately as you said the SEC is just going to have better matchups than the ACC week in, week out. There will be a occasional deal where Clemson is playing someone or if Florida State truly can come back to what it used to be, maybe if Miami can come back to what it used to be, big if there. They've been sputtering in that regard for a while now. But you know, there's potential with a couple of those programs. There's, that conference is not devoid of history all the way down the line. There are a couple teams in there that are plenty capable, but nine out of 10 weeks, it's going to be the SEC having the biggest game. So I I would expect that to be at seven o'clock or six 30, whatever rendition of, of around that hour that they want to have. And then from there, whether they do the second best game at two 30, that could still be a consideration. Would they go ABC double headers? Would they go the number two game at two thirty? Yeah, and still kind of make that relevant, and then have six thirty or seven o'clock be their primetime game. Uh, they have a lot of options. I, I think I, I also recall, and I want to see how this actually plays out. But one of the one of the deals that ESPN and, and the SEC kind of put on their marketing tour of how great and shiny and cool this was going to be was that they allege that they're going to have uh, a more heads-up on timing yeah. of games. It's typically been 
what twelve days? The Monday. Yeah, it's the the mon- uh, Monday, not the Monday before. Before, before. Yeah, it's yeah. like two like two Mondays away. The, so I I thought it was supposed to now be an additional like week or two. Yeah. Now that's interesting though because that says that they're kind of admitting that they're going to have. Uh, competing SEC games on their own networks at the same time, which, yeah. to be fair, you, you're going to have – let's not talk non-conference play because then you get wild and, and all that, but you're going to have six or seven SEC games, really maybe even eight sometimes because it'll be a 16-team league, some weekends at the same time if there's no bye weeks. So you're going to have to have overlapping time slots. It's going to have to happen. So – that's going to have to be baked into it, and I think that that would allow them because they hype it up, whether it's on ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, or SEC Network. It doesn't matter. Times can change. And that way, if they have two or three slots at each time, then they're right. It doesn't matter. what the, I mean, they can block off a certain amount of games and say, well, yes, we have this Alabama-LSU game. It's probably prime time, but we also have this um, – Texas and and Georgia game this year and and that might be end up being bigger I don't know so we're going to guarantee you that they're at seven o'clock now which one ends up on ABC and which one ends up on ESPN I don't know but we're going to put them both at seven o'clock or the counter argument to that is they're both huge we're not going to make them compete no matter what no matter which one ends up being bigger one's going at two thirty one's going at seven. So I, I, I know this probably fascinates me more than it does all of you out there, but also think of it in terms of Auburn and when you're going to be tailgating. Let me propose this to you. You do not want to have 11 a.m. games. I think everyone is on board with that. It is not conducive to tailgating. It is uh, not conducive to screaming your face off and then realizing there's like six other hours of games that you now feel are less important because <laughs> hopes and dreams were dashed at 11 a.m. Or maybe maybe they were great at 11 a.m. And maybe uh, you are excited to see the chaos that ensues the rest of the day. I don't know. But by and large part, 11 a.m. games are not preferable. But they're going to continue to exist because unless they just say, hey, ACC, four of your games every week are going to be at 11 a.m., period. Yeah going to be ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU. I don't care. You know, they're, they're, think of it again this way. There's going to be eight – there could be up to eight conference games in a week. And if I'm just under, if I'm just using 11, 2.30, and 6.30, or 6 o'clock hour into 7, that's really three windows. I'm assuming I'm not creating an, a fourth where I go like 11, 2.30, 5.30, and then 9. Have a, have a Texas – but see, even still, it's Central Time Zone. That's really late to start a game out there. But have a Texas or LSU game start at eight forty-five or nine. Last time doing that, there's three windows. You, so you do the math on that, and there's still going to be a couple SEC games at eleven, and then you're just get, there's going to be one part of each day, whether it's two thirty or six thirty, where you just go on any ESPN home network except for maybe ESPNU, and it's just it's just. It's Georgia, Tennessee over here. It's Texas A&M, Texas over here. It's Alabama and Arkansas here. It's it's Auburn and Ole Miss here. I mean, it's just it's just everywhere. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm very excited for it. This is a, the moral of all this story. I want to see how it shakes out. Give me as few 11 a.m. games possible. But again, it's it's a new opportunity. If you if anyone out there did not like that it was set 2:30 for game of the week, or those of you that did not care as long as it's not 11 a.m., it's a new opportunity to see how they're going to format things. Uh, before I know we we're, we're need to get to a break here soon, but before we did that, I wanted to run through some of these. Uh, early kickoffs you know we the the thing that started this was they already announced some kickoff times right? right yes so i wanted to run through some of these early kickoffs that have already been announced not a lot of sec really the only sec one was that lsu game that i mentioned earlier but west virginia penn state september 2nd is going to be an opener uh 6 30 central on nbc so there's the nbc big 10 uh, contract coming into play um this one is a lot less you know impressive but NC State will open at UConn, two, uh, moved up two days to uh, August 31st, Thursday night, on CBS Sports Network. Um, Michigan-Ohio State, here's the, the Michigan-Ohio State, November 11th, 6.30 on NBC. Iowa-Penn State, 7 o'clock on CBS on September 23rd. That's their whiteout game. That's just weird. Um, big noon, weird, weird big, to get used to it. Big Noon Saturday has uh, grabbed their first game of the year, September 2nd. Uh, 11 a.m. noon Eastern on Fox will be Colorado visiting TCU. So that'll be uh, Coach Prime's debut as a head coach. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the one that came out today, LSU-Florida State set for a 6.30 kickoff September 3rd from Orlando on ABC. Well, and Alabama-Texas got released too, didn't it? Isn't that a night game inside of Bryant-Denny? I thought that that one – I think that's September 9th. I think that's week two. It could be week three, but I think it's week two. It's going to be uh, September 9th. I don't know if they've got a, a time yet for it, though. Could have swore I saw that. I uh, could be wrong. I don't want to um, mislead anyone, but I'm pretty sure that was going to be an ABC um, game on uh, the second week of the year. Uh, yeah. Yep, you're right. They did. Yeah, 6, six o'clock ESPN, September 9th is uh, confirmed for Alabama and Texas. So, so you can probably uh, maybe guess that that could be a game day spot? Could be. Uh, I mean, the, whether Texas should be or not, they're going to be ranked high to start the year. Yep. Say, and that's week two. They won't have not. At that point, the, the jury will still be out on if Texas is back or not. So we, they'll they'll be able to hype that one up. Obviously, Texas gave Bama a great game last year, but that was in Austin. They'll play again this year. And then who knows? They may play again in 2024 as a conference game. We shall see. We need to take our next time out. More sports call coming up after this. your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 let's get back to sports call on tiger 95.9 feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 Welcome back to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here this afternoon. 
good time there talking football a little bit. Some, Always. Some game times. And uh, even though it's the off season, we still every now and then have some new info to share. And a few kickoff times were announced for some of the marquee games earlier in the year yesterday. So honestly, if, if there's there's ESPN Plus puts out college football articles quite often, and it's like there's the you know updates on these quarterback situations at these colleges. If like I'd I'd be willing to talk those, but I know that could get really boring. Yeah, I tell you what though, I mean we'll we'll have a lot of those type of conversations. We'll be doing some lists and some opinions on some of these programs throughout the summer. A uh, couple, I shouldn't say a couple more minutes, but a couple more segments here of the show today. Be out of here in about 20 or 25 minutes. I want to bring up something that was relevant, certainly on yesterday's show. Didn't get the opportunity to talk about it, though, as I was not present. Uh, that was Auburn softball's unfortunate draw in the NCAA tournament. I know Jeff called about this and, um, you know, was kind of <laughs> bombarding Steve as, as uh, Steve, obviously, very loyal and, and passionate and, and uh, comes at it from some different points of view that we do sometimes. But I will say that I, I don't think that that should negate the fact that, that Auburn really and truly got screwed here, um, given the the way this played out for them. And, look, I know that um, I, I'm not trying to make, you know, really big-headed arguments and, and not understand the circumstances, and I I'm never come at this from – a biased point of view, but I do want to lay out a couple of the things that were were irritating about the seating selection, and and I want to note that people that follow softball, Beth Moens, who calls a lot of it, um, a couple of the color commentators that you'll see throughout the NCAA tournament, were basically were basically talking about this and saying that the seating just made no sense whatsoever. So this is not some hot take opinion of just a dude talking about about Auburn here, but. It starts with, unfortunately for Auburn, it starts with what the committee said about Alabama. And I'm not even coming at it from the standpoint of there's just no possible way Alabama could have been fifth or or, or anything like that. What, what my angle here is, it's more about what Auburn was able to accomplish against Alabama. Auburn went to Alabama and won two out of three. Auburn had a better SEC record than Alabama. Now, Alabama had a much better non-conference resume. That's why Alabama is ahead of Auburn in the rankings, and that's why ultimately I don't have a huge problem with it. They had very similar records, 40-17 and 17 for the Tigers, 40-18 and 18 for the Tide. Again, Auburn won better in SEC play and won better when they matched up on the field. But if you want to override that because of a higher RPI and because of a higher strength schedule, I'm okay with that to a degree. But if you're going to look at this and say Auburn had a series win at Alabama, who you deem to be the number five team in the country, they had a series win against LSU, who you deem to be a host team. Auburn finishes third in what you deem to be the toughest conference in the country. Do you really want to be so gung-ho on something that happened back in March when it happened 40 games ago? that that is why Auburn is not hosting? That you're going to say that a team that had in its conference a resume that stacked up with anyone outside of Tennessee, to be quite frank with you, and maybe Georgia, that you're going to say Auburn should not host when they beat what you deem to be the number five team in the country in their place? 
And that's who they are now. And I get kind of tired of the non-conference weighing more than the conference when it happened two and three months ago. Sure, it's a look at outside your conference. It's a look against some other competition, which is how you try and seed because you're seeding teams from all the conferences, not just one conference, and I get that. But you also have to understand, if you even watch sports, that teams get better throughout the year. And the evidence of that is how Auburn performed against these other great teams in this great league. And I'm not fighting for Auburn to be 7 or 8 or anything rambunctious. Again, don't get me wrong. I don't think that this is some vast injustice. But it's a pretty clear pathway to Auburn should have been around 14th or 15th. They should have been a host team. This is an SEC team that, again, went 15-9 and in the league, third in the SEC in the regular season, Top four in the postseason because they were in the conference semifinals. They were an out away from the finals. As a matter of fact, it would not be unheard of to suggest if they had gotten one more out, they would have been a host. To that, it, it would be very unfortunate and heartbreaking. But if you're talking about a margin that's that's so close, go back to everything that happened throughout the regular season and in this conference play against these other top teams. The sixth seed. In the SEC, who lost to Auburn in the series is hosting a regional, but Auburn is not. On top of that, what's unfortunate is the disappointment that Auburn learned when they are the number 17 team in the country. They were the first team not to host. You know what their prize is for that? If they are able to get out of this regional, which is a big if, Clemson and Auburn are very evenly matched teams. But if they get through that, they're then prized for being underseeded in the first place, for not getting the opportunity to host when they should, is that they will play the number one team in the country, the Oklahoma Sooners, who um, are by far and away heavy favorites to win the title have lost one game this year and who've already beaten Auburn badly twice and beaten really anyone they played badly. So not only does Auburn get the unfortunate nature that they were undervalued as a national seed, they were not a national seed, they were not in the top 16, they were not a regional host, their other great prize is that they have no pathway to make the College World Series because they're going to run into the biggest buzzsaw that college softball has ever seen. So I'm not a fan, clearly, of what's happened to the Sovereign softball team, a softball team that, again, clearly got better throughout the year, was not dog meat early in the season. They still won some SEC series. They had a heartbreaking, in their very first SEC series, had a heartbreaking defeat to second-place Georgia, where Auburn lost the lead in the seventh inning, or else they would have won that series. They would have taken series against two, five, and six if they would gotten two more outs earlier in the year. Very first SEC series. Kind of showed you who they were already becoming back then. And so, again, not this is not that was not, you know, some oh, Alabama's overrated or this team's overrated or blah, blah, blah. But if you are using the metrics of how you actually seeded these teams, knowing that Auburn beat multiple versions of these teams, then you have undervalued Auburn. Even if you've overvalued one or two of those teams, you clearly undervalued Auburn. 
So I'm disappointed about that. Um, I, I wish Auburn the best. It's obviously going to be tough to go to anyone's home and, and beat them uh, in a regional. I'm not always the type of guy. I feel it should be a case-by-case basis. You've got you to use your eyes to determine after the fact if, if teams maybe were under or overvalued. And so I don't necessarily conclude based off of the postseason win or lose that it's proof that Auburn was undervalued or it's proof that they were correctly valued because you look at the resume that happened prior to that. You don't judge them on what they do later, obviously. You judge them on what they have have done. And uh, unfortunately, they were judged to be the 17th best team in the country, not the 16th. And that cost them an opportunity to host a regional. And that sucks. Uh, I don't know if you want to add anything before we go to break, Brooks. I don't know how much you guys talked about it yesterday. I know, again, Steve brought it up. But I wanted to make sure I, I yeah. gave my opinion on that because uh, we cover Auburn softball all the time here, and it, it, it cuts our show short sometimes. We're happy to do that. But it also means we pay close attention to that team. And, uh, again, I'm not fighting for something irrational like Auburn to be seventh in the country yeah. or something absurd, but I certainly feel that they – got the raw raw end of two separate deals that both both hurt dearly yeah no i and like i said yesterday i was going into the weekend going into the sec tournament i knew that the the tigers you know you, you kind of felt like they still needed to do some you know they still needed a little bit of help to get that host spot after winning one game you thought they were in a better position and then after after the uh the loss to south carolina you kind of sat there and like all right they could be i i could have seen it going either way i i was you know either no matter how it, it panned out i thought i was going to be fine if, if they they were a two seed somewhere they were probably going to be one of the top two seats which they are and then or they were going to be one of the last host teams and i was like all right so either way i think it's going to you know i i could see it going away i wasn't going to be upset what is the the upsetting thing is like you brought up You've got teams that it felt like are overseeded that Auburn should have probably been hosting more than you, you took, you know, and you know you've got a you've got an, an Alabama team that you know they they were you know had a top fifteen RPI ranking they they did good work in the non conference but they still finished below Auburn in the conference play. You got an LSU team that finished well below Auburn in the conference play, and Auburn took two out of three from them. That's hosting. It, 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 there's just it, it's like we said yesterday on on the program. We'd like we I would love to have uh, someone from the 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 NCAA committee in front of me to ask them why what what was your yeah. why did you keep Auburn out of hosting and put LSU in? And I know LSU, you know, you you can say oh the not the non conference, yeah, that's that's some Auburn should have done a you know a not a better job, but could have bolstered up their non-conference a little bit more. But you still went and you played the number one team in the nation right. twice, twice. Right. And, and so played another top twenty team in Northwestern. Twice. Yeah, and then you know you went down to the cl- the opening weekend. I look back at their schedule. Opening weekend, you played a an Indiana team that is in the tournament. They're a three seed in the tournament, I, I think. But they, they you played that you played an Indian. They may be a two seed. Uh, in the tournament, but you still played them early, and so I know some of the other teams have a have a more impressive non conference schedule. But, but it would only be by three to four yeah. more games. Out and of so 60. it it's I I just don't know why they it was it, it I I want to know what separated a team that finished below Auburn in the SEC, what warranted them getting a host spot above Auburn. Right, and again, and and my personal view again, I, I'm not I'm not even suggesting that they should have ho- that Auburn should have hosted over these teams. I'm just saying they are far more similar 
than than one being five and one being seventeen. There's not a twelve team gap there in the resume. There might be three. There might be five. It's not a twelve team gap, and and so it is very. Uh, very unfortunate, and and again, if we feel that a couple of those SEC teams might have been overvalued, that's great. But, but my other point, again, reiterate it is, if you really feel that Alabama is number five, well, then that was a really damn impressive series. Yeah, that should transcend whether it's in the conference or not. You beat a top five team on the road. That's something. That's not nothing. And when you're splitting hairs, that's a hair that should be split in your favor. So it, it is. Uh, it's frustrating, and. Um, Again, it is unfortunately Auburn's going to play through it. They're going to have to play their best softball, and uh, they're going to they're going to compete obviously. But uh, we'll also use that as a reminder. We will have a shortened show Friday. We believe at this time it'll only be a one hour show, uh, so don't want to forget to mention that over the coming days. But uh, again, Auburn will start in the Clemson Regional as a two seed, playing Cal State Fullerton. One final timeout when we come back. Real briefly, won't really get to discuss it, but we'll tell you how Auburn just landed someone else in the football portal. North Texas times two. That will be our tease. We'll be right back. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call. Final couple minutes with you here on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. Again, everyone kind of having a day or two off throughout this week. So I ne- I honestly couldn't tell you who's going to be on each show uh, this week. I think you'll hear a lot of Brooks. Uh, I, I don't plan on going anywhere else. I just had a vacation. It was great. A little short. We'll think about some more vacations later in the summer or in the fall. Uh, but I, I plan on being here. And then, so the show will go on. We teased you before break, real quickly. North Texas has provided Auburn with another portal player. North Texas linebacker Larry Nixon III has committed Auburn. Former first team all CUSA selection. He is a grad transfer. He will only have one year of eligibility. He is the third portal linebacker addition for the Tigers. So, kind of like Jair Shore there, only one year of eligibility. And then more particulars is that last year was the year that he was first team all. CUSA racked up 106 tackles last year. And uh, as Tom Green says on Twitter, only 62 FBS players reached that milestone. So a linebacker pickup for the Tigers, Larry Nixon the third, on the heels of a teammate of his, Jair Shorter, a wide receiver. Transfer to Auburn. Auburn getting a little meaner and greener today uh, in the transfer portal. Only a minute or two left with the show today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. 
Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we got? Well, your movie picks for the evening tonight. If you are looking for a family flick, 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon's Despicable Me 2. Steve Carell stars as the voice of Gru. So that's a fun kids movie yes. for you. Uh, also on the family side of things, 6 o'clock on TNT, Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 edition with Emma Watson starring as uh, Belle. So that's a that's another movie pick for you tonight. And at 7 o'clock, VH1, one of my favorite movies of all time, Forrest Gump is on tonight. Uh, like I said, 7 o'clock, VH1. That's your movie picks for the evening. Sports, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, starting to get a little light on the, uh, on the sports side of things. So tonight... You can uh, watch some baseball action, 7 o'clock TBS. The Cubs visit the Astros from Minute Maid Park in Houston. But also the Braves are in action tonight, 7.05 on Valley Sports South to take on the Texas Rangers, see if they can do it to the Rangers, what they did last night. Uh, Jared Schuster back on the mound tonight for the Braves, called up from AAA today. And then the other only, only other sports action tonight is in the NBA, 7 o'clock on ESPN. It's the NBA Draft Lottery. Find out who gets to draft Victor Wembanyama, And then at 7.40 yeah. on uh, ESPN following that, it's Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets in Denver. We'll see who can uh, start their path to punching a ticket to the NBA Finals tonight. And that's a look at your IT ad brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much, Brooks. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited about that uh, lottery night. I can't excited about a damn ping pong ball. <laughs> uh, who, who am I? I? I'm a big NBA guy. That's who I am. But uh, we are out of time for the show today. Brooks, thank you for being here, sir. And again, thank you for hosting yesterday. We'll see you again soon. Absolutely. And of course, we thank Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us on the program today. And we thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.